0: Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, so good to kick off with yet another message online. And uh, many of you would know the Pentel pen. So well known, that brand name. You may even have one or have used one. But in 1960, this Japanese pen was brought into the USA, and within one year, staggeringly, 1.8 million of these pens were sold. And it wasn't a massive ad campaign, it wasn't promotion, newspaper ads, television ads. It was one simple explanation, word of mouth communication. Housewives, office workers, People in high positions were using this pen. Students were using this pen. And as a result, they used it, and then they recommended it to friends. This pen became so popular that even Lyndon B. Johnson, the president at the time, used it to sign documents. And then they took the pen into space on one of the Gemini rockets in 1966. It went on to become the official pen of NASA, and all because... Someone used it and then recommended it. And you know, there's power in a testimony. When we give our testimony and share what has happened to us, there's tremendous power because it's firsthand from someone's lips. Today, many people are deconstructing their faith, it's a popular term deconstructing what they once believed and it's almost trending around the world. What it simply means in real terms is that they're backsliding. They no longer believe, they are doubting and they are considering whether they should walk with God or not. They're deconstructing what God has constructed in their lives and you know your testimony is the thing that keeps you from doing that. Let me remind you before I give you the title here that our testimony is a powerful thing and we've been told to use it. 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 15. It says, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. So we set an example, but before we set an example, we give testimony. There's been that famous quote by St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Well, that actually is not a true quote, and actually it was ascribed to him incorrectly. The gospel cannot be lived without giving testimony. You'll notice in this passage it says, speak first, then they'll watch your good life. Not just let your good life be your testimony. Your testimony comes out of your lips, and it's a powerful thing and we need to use it. You know, the Apostle Paul often gave his testimony numerous times. In fact, in Philippians, he recounts his story of how he was a Pharisee and how he lived and then how he came to Christ. In the book of Acts, chapter 26, we see him before King Agrippa and before Festus, and we see him there testifying so much so that I think it's Festus says, you've lost your mind, Paul. And uh, yet the testimony you can't refute And so today I want to speak to you, and I've entitled the message simply this, The Power and Persecution of Our Testimony. The Power and the Persecution of Our Testimony. Our testimony has power, that's why it will be persecuted. And many today are backing down, they're worrying about what people will think, they're worrying about the cancel culture, but thank God the Bible tells us that exactly this situation we're facing today happened before, and we can learn from the example of others. Now, to get back quickly before I get to the the gist of the message, we're going to read a chunk of scripture in just a moment. Paul stood before King Agrippa, and he recounted his testimony, and he speaks of what Jesus said to him. Jesus gave these uh, instructions to Paul, and I think they're important for us today as well. Acts 26, uh, Jesus says, for I've appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. This is an order from Jesus. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. So God's going to show him things. Jesus is going to show Paul things. And then Paul's going to show it to me, he's going to be a witness and it's going to testify like in court of what he's seen. He says, and I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles watch this, to open their eyes, so they may turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, very important phrase, because we're going to come to it a bit later, to turn people from darkness to light, to open their eyes, that's what happens when you become a Christian, you don't just come to church, and join in, and and get motivational messages, no, you get a transformation that happens in your life, it's this powerful thing that, that happens, And uh, he says here, and from the power of Satan to God, and uh, Jesus goes on to say, then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Can you see the mandate here that was given to Paul? Now this mandate is given to the church. Again, the words of Jesus. Paul recounting the words of Jesus to him. Jesus here speaking to us all in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to do what? To come to church, to sing songs? No, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, this mandate, interestingly enough, is portrayed beautifully, the power of the testimony and the persecution of the testimony in the book of John, in the story of the blind man. John chapter 9 now just to give you a bit of context because we're going to read a chunk of scripture in just a moment and uh, by the way 1 Timothy 4 Paul says give attention to the public reading of scripture so you know today people don't want to read it's too long to read people lose concentration we have to do it because the power is in the word not in my words but in God's word but here we find a blind man blind from birth Jesus comes across him the disciples ask immediately, typically, whose fault is it? Is it his parents' fault? Is it his fault? I mean, how could it be his fault in the womb that he was born blind? Nonetheless, Jesus says no, and then declares himself to be the light of the world. Remember Paul was told that? To turn people from darkness to light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and while I'm in the world, I'm going to bring light, and uh, then he spits on the ground the dust which man is made, and he makes dust, uh, mud, and puts it on the man's eyes, and then sends him. You see, there's always personal responsibility, sends him to Siloam and says, Go and wash. And God does that today. He gives us something, and then he says, I want you to act on it, and then there is transformation. And today, you might be hearing my voice. You're hearing the preaching of the word. You need to take it, you need to let it wash your soul, and then you can come back seeing spiritually. Well, this blind man goes to the pool, he washes. And he comes back seeing, and he's dramatically changed. And we pick the story up in verse eight. And uh, we're gonna read quite a bit. Stay with me here. The word is powerful. And it says, His neighbors, and those who had formerly seen him begging, asked, Isn't this the same man that used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, others said no. He only looks like him. Change in his life. And it says, but he himself insisted. He testified, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Silom and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought, uh, they brought him to the, the, sorry, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud in my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, "This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath." I mean, the guy can see. He goes on to say, but others asked, "How can a sinner perform such signs?" So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. I'll tell you what, when you give testimony, people won't believe you and they will try and pick it apart because it's so powerful. But we, we see here, uh, is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? We know that he's our son, the parents answered, and we know that he was born blind But how he can now see, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. They knew. But notice here, ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. If you want to put it in today's terms, they would be canceled. And today, the pressure of being canceled is shutting the mouths of God's people from testifying to life change. Don't be one of them. Let's read on. It says in verse 23, that is why his parents said he is of age. Ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Skeptics. It goes on to say, he answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are the disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Interesting how they went back to his birth. Remember the disciples asked, who sinned? This man or his parents? Now they went back. They said, you've been changed, but we want to remind you, you were a sinner at birth. And that's what people will do when you give your testimony. You see, there's nothing wrong with our testimony. There's something wrong with those who hear it. The inability to receive and to hear is the problem. And today what we've tried to do is we've tried to tone down everything. Don't say that. Don't speak about what we're against. Don't don't tell people how you were transformed, how you were delivered. No, we don't want to offend anyone. We've made church so appealing and so weak and we've been so scared of being canceled that the power has gone out. But it's the testimony that brings the power of God. Once I was blind but now I see. Our testimony is not once I didn't go to church, now I go to rivers, and it's a cool church, and I get motivated on the weekends to do business. That's not our testimony. Our testimony was I was blind, but now I see. I've been turned from Satan to God, from darkness to light, and I need to speak about it. It's powerful, and the enemy hates it. That's why there's power in the testimony. But the testimony always gets persecuted. So let's look at number one today. There are only two points in the message. The power of our testimony. The power of our testimony. Gosh, it is such a powerful thing. And when we use it, God uses it for his glory. And we must stop worrying about being canceled. You know, earlier in the meeting, if you joined us from the beginning, and hope you did, the first worship song was a song by Elevation Worship. And it was called, My Testimony And it's got such powerful words. And I want to remind you of just one of the verses. It says, this is my testimony from death to life. Because grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. And then it says, by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Such a wonderful song. Declaring what I need to do. My life's been changed and I'm going to speak about it. I'm not going to hold back in any way. You know, when we get saved... And, uh, and we give our testimony, God can use it. When I first got saved, that's one of the things they made me do regularly. In fact, I was driven from church to church at one time. I still had very long hair and, uh, you know, wore sort of hippie clothing. And they took me around and they said, this guy's going to give his testimony. And then I used to speak about how I was involved in different religions, searching for God, taking LSD, smoking dope, and, you know, practicing yoga and trying to find uh, enlightenment. And then I found Jesus. And my life was changed, and I gave testimony regularly. And often I would be attacked. Oh, you didn't really delve into religion, and and you don't don't speak against, you know. And people would try and counter it. Well, one day when I was sitting in church, a man came to me after a service, and he said to me, you know what? You need to give your testimony in a magazine because it's a powerful story. So they wrote an entire story on me. It was called Hands Up, Bangles Down, because I used to wear big Big row of bangles. It sounds ridiculous today, but it was popular then. We used to wear these Eastern clothing and so on. And and that testimony was in a in a magazine, went around the world, and people got to know me, got to know my story, and many people were encouraged by it. Our testimony is incredibly powerful. What is a testimony? A testimony really is when you tell of something you've seen and heard. That's why the gospels were written. In fact, that's why the letters were written. And I want to remind you, John, the disciple, he saw Jesus in the flesh, met with Jesus, worked with Jesus, lived with Jesus, was loved by Jesus, and and then Luke's gospel was also written. Let me remind you, 1 John, and we'll skip back to, you'll see how Luke starts and how John ends, but notice here in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1, John says, uh, giving testimony, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and has appeared to us. He says, yeah, I saw it. I'm a witness of it. And I want to tell you about it because it's powerful and it can change your life. Remember Luke's gospel was written by Luke the doctor. And he writes to Theophilus, and he says here, uh, I want to read it to you because the wording is important. You need to see why the gospels were written. They're not just random stories. I'm going to write this down. No, no, they are testifying to something they encountered. And he says here, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, Since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, in other words, I've listened to these witnesses, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. This isn't a fable. This isn't just a gospel story like the nursery rhymes. No, I've seen it. I've handled it, John says. Uh, Luke says, I've investigated. I listened to their testimony like a lawyer in court. Now I'm writing it for you, Theophilus. And uh, you can discover this too. In John chapter 19, the power of the testimony. uh, uh, John speaks about how when they came to Jesus at the cross. And he says, but when they came to Jesus and found he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water, showing that he was dead. The plasma separates. The man who saw it has given testimony. And his testimony is true. In other words, I didn't hear this. We didn't concoct this. I was there. I saw the drama of a changed life. And I want you to know about it. And he says he knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. This isn't just information. This is life transforming testimony. Then at the end of John's gospel, chapter 21, it says on this This is the disciple who testifies to these things, speaking of John himself, and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. You know, testimony is very hard to refute. And that's why it's got so much power. The blind man testified. He said, this is is what happened to me. He put mud in my eyes, sounds weird. I went to Siloam, I came back, I hardly knew he was. I know his name was Jesus, but I could see. Now, how do you argue with someone who can see who couldn't see before? You can say there's no such thing. It's not politically correct. You know, people's lives are dramatically turned around, but then we try and fit it into the narrative of politics, the narrative of what's correct today. We don't wanna say anything. No, we wanna to testify to the life-changing, delivering power of Jesus Christ who turns us from darkness to life and from Satan to God. You remember the woman at the well. Jesus met her in John chapter four and had a conversation with her and told her everything about her life. You've been married several times and the man you have now is not your husband. And he begins to speak to her and she begins to see something more than religion, something more than Samaritan religion, which was an offshoot of Judaism. And she begins to discover, man, there's something about this man And uh, then, as a result of that, others are impacted by her powerful testimony. John chapter four and verse thirty-nine. We read about it, and I'll recount it to you today. A lot of scripture here, but important for us to understand our mandate, the power of the testimony. And it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. You see, our mandate is to testify, because when we do, cities are changed, people are changed, don't worry about being cancelled, don't worry about what you're saying, it doesn't fit the narrative, no, you've had a life-changing experience, and if you don't testify, people won't be reached, and you'll eventually deconstruct your own faith, Jesus told us, when he ascended, he told his disciples to tell us, that we need to go into all the world, and make disciples of all nations, and to witness and to bring transformation and to share what we'd seen and heard. And that's the mandate on the church today. I was reading recently a wonderful pastor from Washington, D.C., Pastor Mark Deaver, he's written a number of excellent books and uh, one of his books is called nine marks of a healthy church I wonder what you think a healthy church is not one where there's you know good worship only and great preaching but there are a number of components and mark diva here says he says i don't see a clerical class in the new testament to which evangelism has been delegated preaching is not the only way to evangelize it can happen in everyday conversations too and you don't need a special gift to witness to the Lord in these situations. That's what the woman at the well did. You know, we've been given this mandate to witness, but it's just a chat, a chat with Jesus at the well and then went back to the city and chatted to all those people. In our conversations, we can chat and when we do, people are impacted. I was reading about a doctor, a missionary doctor in India who worked on blind, uh, blind people and, you know, removed their cataracts. And one blind man came to him and had his cataracts removed, and then he could see. Well, a few weeks later, the doctor received notification that there was a party of men outside waiting for him. When he got outside, there was the blind man in the front of a row of 40 men, 40 men, all holding onto a rope, one behind the other. And the blind man in the front leading them. And they had made a journey of 400 kilometers to the doctor's surgery. Why? The blind man had had his cataracts removed. He had gone home all the way back to where he lived. And he had testified, I couldn't see, now I can see. When they heard the testimony, 40 men held onto a rope and trusted him to go all the way to the doctor. That's our mandate, the power of the testimony. And we must not be intimidated because even the devil is intimidated by our testimony. I wanna remind you that in the book of Revelation, there's a small verse, but it's powerful. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, and it talks about us as believers and how we have victory. And it says they triumphed over him, that's over Satan, by the blood of the lamb, we heard earlier, the blood of Jesus, forgiven us, changed our lives, but watch. And the word of their testimony. The devil can do nothing to you if you believe that Jesus has forgiven you. Darkness to light, from Satan to God, a gift. And now I keep telling about it. I keep speaking about it and I don't stop speaking. And guess what? Satan doesn't stand a chance. That's why the Pharisees kept coming back, kept coming back, because our testimony is so powerful and sometimes irrefutable and people will attack it. Martin Luther said that we need to pledge ourselves anew to the cause of Christ. We must capture the spirit of the early church. Whenever the early church wherever, wherever the early church went, they made triumphant witness for Christ. Whether on the village streets or in the city jails, they daringly proclaimed the good news of the gospel. And He's saying we need to do it again. I want to say we need to do it again in these days. Not be silent, not be canceled. It is a powerful thing. And many of you would have seen sports people who often testify on the court, you know, pointing to God and making the sign of the cross. Christians are trying in some way to communicate. I was reading about a young man, who is a dynamic Christian, Stephen Curry. And uh, if you don't know who Stephen Curry is, he is a Christian that is a seven-time NBA all-star and he was named the NBA's most valuable player uh, for two years in a row and uh, with with teams he has won three NBA championships with the Warriors that's who he plays for if you're a basketball fan you probably know who that is and then they went on to say this about him that uh, most analysts actually and players have said this about him that is the greatest shooter in NBA history. Now we know Shaka Neal, we know all the famous names, LeBron James, but here's a guy who's a Christian who stands out. And this is what he actually says He says, I try to use every game as an opportunity to witness. I try to do a little signal every time I make a shot as a way to preach the message in ways that I can. You see, everyone who is a Christian has an obligation to give a testimony. I'm a basketball player, but I'm a different basketball player. I'm a Christian. I've come from death to life, from darkness to light, from Satan to God. I'm not just a church attendee trying to be a good man, trying to be socially conscious. No, I've got a powerful testimony. Once I was blind, now I see. And we need to hold on to our testimony and use every opportunity to give it. You know, in these days of COVID and with such fear and death and loss, we need to be ready to give our testimony because people, you know, might, might receive Jesus and then they might die. People are on the brink of death. And Billy Graham said this as I wrap up this point. He says, suffering can give us opportunities to witness. The world is a, is a, the world is a gigantic hospital Nowhere is there a greater chance to see the peace and joy of the Lord than when the journey through the valley is the darkest. Our testimony can shine brightly and people can receive Jesus and they can have a secure eternity. The power of your testimony today. Do you realize how important it is? You need to share it with friends, with family, with work colleagues, in conversations as you walk along the road. When people question you and ask about your life, always be ready to give testimony. You see, your testimony is so powerful, that's why I point two, it's persecuted. Let's talk for a moment about the persecution of our testimony, so that you're ready to deal with it, because people are surprised when their testimony is persecuted, and it will always happen because of the power of the testimony. No one's just going to say, oh, that's amazing. Gee, tell me more. Gee, pray with me. There will be moments where people will be open, but generally, the testimony will be persecuted. And you saw in the story, the Pharisees interrogated the man. Religious people don't want a testimony. They want you to be politically correct. They want you to fit in with the narrative. That's what religion does. But transformative Christianity says, preach the truth. Speak about death to life. Satan to God. How you couldn't see, now you can see. You have to declare it because religion wants to turn it down and it's so important that we understand that we will be persecuted because it is powerful don't forget today if you're feeling bad about not witnessing the apostle Peter found himself at the fire where he should have given testimony and he didn't aren't you the man weren't you with Jesus and because of fear because of intimidation he thought he would be cancelled at the cross like Jesus so he kept quiet But you know what? On the day of Pentecost, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And suddenly now he's bold. And I want to remind you, the Holy Spirit is given to us, not for shivers and shakes, not just for personal prophecy. It's given primarily to give us courage to testify so that when we're persecuted, we are not moved and we're not intimidated and we keep going. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, never for fear of feeble man, restrain your witness. I want to encourage you today, when you are persecuted, speak up. Don't back down and hold on to your convictions, what the Bible says. Don't, don't say, well I don't know, when you really do know. You've had an encounter with Jesus, you need to speak up. I read an interesting article that was brought to me uh, this week and uh, it spoke about the un- United Kingdom And what they call crown court judges. Crown court judges deal with very, very serious cases in the UK. And the article said that these crown court judges had just recently thrown out, just in their section, because that's not the whole judiciary, but the crown court judges had thrown out 4,500 and something cases because the witnesses didn't come forward to testify. Neither did the victims because they were intimidated. So because of persecution and intimidation, they don't step forward to testify to what they'd seen and heard. As a result, the cases are thrown out. The article went on to say that some 30,000 cases were dropped last year across the UK because witnesses wouldn't testify and victims wouldn't testify. Let's not see injustice take place. Let's step forward and testify, because it's a bit like being in court. You know, when you go to court and you testify, the judge doesn't go, oh, that's great. Everyone in the court doesn't clap, no. They usually have someone step forward to cross-question the witness. A lawyer comes forward who's slick and says, did you really see that? I wonder. Uh, Can you read that sign over there? Oh, Your Honor, I think this person didn't read... And that's what will happen when we give testimony. We will be cross-questioned. We will be intimidated and persecuted because it's so powerful and the enemy wants us to tone it down. I believe that we need to be like the woman at the well. Just go back and say, man, I discovered Jesus. A man who told me all I ever did. Like the blind man, you know, once I was blind. And now I can see. As I come to a close, here, Pastor Dudley Rutherford uh, wrote a book called Compelled. The irresistible call to share your faith. He says this, he says, sharing your testimony is much like being called to take the witness stand in court. Witnesses are bound by law and uh, on oath to tell the truth about what they know and what they've seen. What would happen if the witness took the stand, was asked for his or her testimony, but never opened his or her mouth? I mean, hard to imagine. He says, the same scenario happens every day in the court of public opinion. There comes a time when you will have to do more than wear your favorite Christian T-shirt or a cross necklace or carry your Bible around to work or school. Sooner or later, you will have to open your mouth and speak. You have to testify. You have to tell what Jesus has done in your life. People need your testimony. And today we're being intimidated told not to come to court, as it were. People are intimidating, especially on social media, and Christians are deconstructing their faith, and they're becoming ashamed. Two verses here before I pray with you. Luke chapter nine, just an encouragement to us. Um, Jesus says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory, and in the glory of the Father, and the holy angels. Paul reiterates this in writing to the young minister, Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter one and verse eight. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord Jesus, about our Lord, or me, his prisoner. Rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You see, giving your testimony could bring intimidation, could bring some suffering, People misunderstand you, but guess what? We've been transformed, and today the world is blind. It is in darkness. People are groping around, grabbing onto good things, onto all sorts of causes, but we need to stick to the cause of Christ. For that, we have been saved to give testimony. You know, as I close today, it's so important for us to realize the power here and to recognize where we stand. If you're a Christian today, I want to encourage you to take courage and to speak up, even on difficult matters, because even people who've been Christians for a long time are being intimidated, like those crown court judges. People are not coming forward anymore, and so the church is being weakened, and the devil knows that our testimony is powerful, so stand up today. Like Spurgeon says, don't let feeble men put you off, And you know, if you don't have a testimony today, you can have one. It doesn't mean you just come to church. Now, oh, I started going to rivers. No, no, no. It's much more. Church builds into your life and adds to what has already happened to you. It's where blind people go once their eyes have been opened so that they can learn how to live. And if you don't have a testimony, do you know you were born blind? Just like the blind man in the story we read, we are all born blind. We can see with our physical eyes, but spiritually we are blind. And we need to go to Siloam, and we need to put the word of God on our eyes, literally, and we need to wash and see again. And if today you've heard the word of God, and you say, I'm beginning to see, that's the beginnings of discovering who Jesus is. Remember the blind man came came uh, and had an encounter with Jesus. We didn't read today, but Jesus came to him, and Jesus gave him a revelation of who he was, and then he had a full encounter that's what can happen to you, you begin to see through the word, you've washed in the pool of the word, you were and blind, but now you're seeing Jesus, and you can be born again, and you too can have a testimony, and that testimony will give you victory over Satan, over sin, and give you the gift of eternal life, if you don't know Jesus today, I'd love to pray with you, if you're a Christian, why not right where you are at home, make a new decision, I'm going to open my mouth, I'm in conversation, just going to say what happened to me. I don't need to know the whole Bible. I can just simply talk about death to life, from Satan to God, from light to darkness. But if you don't know Jesus, I'm going to pray with you. If you're ready to pray and to discover Christ, then follow with me here and pray after me. And I'm going to pray like this. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Lord Jesus come into my life today be my Lord and Savior and open my eyes Lord so I can see spiritually and be born again. I thank you Lord that today it's possible to discover who you are and to be completely transformed. Take me from darkness to light from Satan to God And give me a new life today, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.